knowledge is passed down and carried from the Salaf and from those who preceded. It is passed down by the Khalaf, meaning by the successors, those who come later. Khalaf is the opposite of Salaf. The trustworthy ones from them. فَكَانَ ابْنُ عَبَّاسِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ So he was from, Abdullah ibn Abbas, from the Udul, from the trustworthy uh, narrators, from the trustworthy carriers of the religion, and so he would take from the kibar of the Sahaba, he would take from the more senior, older companions, and as we mentioned uh, last week, it is mentioned that Abdullah ibn Abbas, due to his young age, that those ahadith that he recorded and narrated, those narrations that have been preserved from him, we mentioned they reached over a thousand, because he is from the Mukhtarin. Only seven of the companions narrated over a thousand. Only seven. Uh, Abu Huraira having the, the most of them. But Abdullah ibn Abbas likewise he narrated over a thousand. He narrated a thousand and six hundred and sixty ahadith. One thousand and six hundred and sixty ahadith, Abdullah ibn Abbas. However, if you gather all of those narrations together, those ahadith wherein he mentions, I heard the Rasulullah say, or I saw him, or I heard him, only a handful, around 20 odd, around 20 odd. It shows that he heard the bulk of his narrations, so that, that he, he narrated from the senior companions. He took from the senior companions. Now, um, and so, again, this shows to us that he was from the Udul, he was from the trustworthy narrators who took from the Sahaba who took from the Kibar, you know, even though he was a Sahabi himself, even though he was a companion himself, and he uh, took from the Rasulullah directly. But he likewise, after the passing of the Rasulullah he took from uh, the Kibar of the Sahaba, he preserved that knowledge and passed it down. Now, the Udul al-Ladheena zakkahumun Nabiyyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam fi fi talabi wa nashar Yani those trustworthy ones whom the Prophet praised with having good intention and sincerity in seeking knowledge and passing that knowledge on. فَمَنْ فَعْلَ ذَلِكْ فَإِنَّهُ لَا يَخِيبًا So whoever does as such, then he will never, he will never be in loss. بَلْ هُوَ مِنَ الْعُدُونَ وَحَمَلَتِ الْعِلْمِ وَلَا يَحْمِلُ الْعِلْمِ إِلَّا الشُّرَفَاءَ مِنَ النَّاسِ Rather, the one who does as such, then he is from the Udul, from the trustworthy ones, and he's from the carriers of knowledge, and this knowledge is not carried except by the noble ones from the people. Those whose intentions are sound and correct. And likewise, their hearts are sound. And this is in every time, every time and place. And there will never cease to be a group from the Ummah, from the nation of Muhammad who are upon the truth. There will never cease to be a group who are upon the truth. وَهُمْ أَهْلُ الْعِلْمِ And they are the people of knowledge. كَمَا قَالَ أَحْمَدْ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهِ Just as Imam Ahmed, he said, إِنْ لَمْ يَكُونُوا أَهْلِ الْحَدِيثِ فَلَا أَدْرِي مَنْهُمْ He said that if, I, if, they, if this group who remains to be upon the truth, if they are not the people of knowledge and the people of hadith, if they are not the people of hadith, then I don't know who they are. يعني بقوله هم أهل الحديث What he means by his, his, his saying, Imam Ahmed, is that they are, that saved and victorious group, are the people of hadith. يعني لأن أهل الحديث هم أهل التفسير وهم أهل العناية بالقرآن تلاوة وفحما للأحكام And that is because the people of hadith, scholars of hadith, they are the people of tafsir, those who are able to explain the Quran and the Sunnah. And likewise they are people of inaya, people of concern, they give special concern uh, to the Quran, tilawa wa fahman, in the reciting of the Quran, and likewise in understanding the Quran, having understanding, understanding of its rulings. وَهُمْ أَهْلُ الدَّعْوَةِ إِلَى اللَّهِ 
ala basira. And likewise, they are the people of da'wah, the people who call to al-Islam, the people who call to the Qur'an and to the Sunnah. And they call to Allah upon basira, upon insight. وَهُمْ أَهْلُ الْجِهَادِ وَهُمْ أَهْلُ النُّصْحِ وَهُمْ أَهْلُ النُّصْحِ لِعِبَادِ اللَّهِ فِي نَشْرِ الْعِلْمِ بَيْنَهُمْ They are the people of jihad and they are the people of giving sincere advice to the servants of Allah uh, when يعني, uh, spreading that knowledge between themselves. إِذْ لَا تَطِيبُ الْحَيَاءِ إِلَّا بِالْعِلْمِ وَالتَّعَلُّمُ وَالْعَمَلُ Since life cannot be a uh, good life, there can, there can be no good life except through knowledge, learning, and action. And by way of this, the ummah becomes يعني, an ummah that is blessed and an ummah that is happy. Naaman. So this uh, brings us on to the next chapter, uh, and it is the chapter with the heading Bab Mata Yasihru Sama'u Sagheer. And so we can see how this fits in nicely to the previous chapter. The Bukhari, we've seen, he brings in the chapters uh, in, in a particular order or, in, or with a particular reason that he has for uh, bringing the various chapters that he's brought in this kitab. And he does so showing that there's a connection between the uh, chapters and the, and the hadith. And so here the chapter heading is, when is it correct to take and listen to, to the one who is young? When is, it, when is it correct to take knowledge from him and to take his narrations from the one who is young? And then Al-Bukhari, he brings two uh, hadith. First, Haddathana Ismail ibn Abi Uwais. So this is Shaykh Al-Bukhari saying that, uh, Malik narrated to him Haddathni Malik An Ibn Shihab An Ubaidillah Ibn Abdillah Ibn Utbah An Abdillah Ibn Abbas And so with the chain of to Abdullah Ibn Abbas Radiyallahu anhuma Qal Aqbaltu Raakiban Ala himarin Atam He said that I I, I came uh, Riding um, A female donkey On a female donkey وأنا يومئذ قد ناهزت الاحتلام. On that day, I um, I was close to attaining puberty. hadn't re hadn't yet reached puberty, but he was close to reaching puberty. ورسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يصلي بمنا إلى غير جدار. And the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم was praying in Mina uh, إلى غير جدار. Yani, meaning there was, there was no war before him. But the scholars of hadith and the, uh, the, the, the people of knowledge, they say that the meaning of this is that he, he prayed without a sutra. That there was no sutra before him. There was no sutra, that sutra which is, which is that barrier which you place before you, something which you place before you when you pray. فَمَرَرْتُ بَيْنَ يَدَيْ بَعْدِ الصَّفِ وَأَرْسَلْتُ الْأَتَانِ تَرْتَعَ so he said that I passed between some of the rows and I sent the donkey tarta, meaning to, 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 to graze. فَدَخَلْتُ فِي الصَّفِ So then I entered the row, meaning I joined the row and I prayed with them. فَلَمْ يُنْكَرَ ذَلِكَ عَلَيَّ أَحَدٍ And no one rejected that from me. No one rebuked me. Now, so this is the first hadith. The second hadith, حَدَّثَنِي Muhammad ibn Yusuf قَالْ حَدَّثَنَا Abu Mus'hir قال حدثني محمد بن حرب حدثني الزبيدي عن الزهري عن محمود بن ربيع رضي الله عنه قال and so with his chain to Mahmud ibn Rabi who said أقلت من النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم مجة مجها في وجهي وأنا ابن خمس سنين من دلو نعم so he, he says, meaning, uh, I remember. I remember from the Prophet that he took water from a bucket 
with his with his mouth, and then he 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 threw it into my face. He spat it on my face. Now, uh, so this is the second hadith, uh, and the Sheikh will explain these uh, two narrations in this chapter. Uh, and the Sheikh he says, "يؤخذ من هذا الحديث ما ذكره المؤلف رحمه الله في الترجمة متى يصح سماع الصغير ويعتبر به ويؤخذ به ويروى عنه ذلك وذكر لذلك مثالين." What is taken from this hadith? That which Al-Bukhari has mentioned in the chapter heading. When is it correct to listen to the young narrator? And when do we يعني, uh, receive and take, accept his narrations uh, and narrate from him? And Al-Bukhari, he mentioned for this two examples. Al-Mithal al-Awwal, the first, the hadith of Ibn Abbas wherein he said that I came riding on a female donkey and I um, and that day I had not yet attained puberty whilst the Rasul was praying towards Mina without a sutra and so I passed through some of the rows and then I sent the donkey to graze and I entered the row he said like came riding a donkey, Atan. The Sheikh mentions that the meaning of Atan is Untha, female, a female donkey. And on that day, I had not yet attained puberty. The Sheikh he explains the Arabic word, He says, That he hadn't yet reached puberty, but he was close to. He was close to it. نعم. نعم. يعني meaning that the pen had not yet يعني started to write his deeds. Uh, however, he was close to that. As we know, the pen is lifted from the one who uh, يعني is, 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 is young or a child up until he reaches puberty. Now, وَرَسُولُ and so I joined, the, I saw the Rasulullah praying, he was praying uh, without a sutra, and I, I passed uh, between some of the rows, and I sent the donkey to graze, meaning, the meaning of tarta, the meaning of tarta is to, to, to uh, walk and to eat, meaning the donkey. So I entered the, the row and no one rejected that from me. So the Sheikh he mentions that this shows to us uh, the correct nature of taking from the one who hasn't reached puberty yet. Likewise, what is taken from it is that the Imam, the Imam is a sutra. He is that barrier of protection, and as, it connect, as, uh, as it relates to the Salah. He is that sutra for the rest of the Ma'mumin, the rest of those who are being uh, led in prayer, to those who are being led in prayer. And whatever passes between them, between their roles, the roles of those who are being led in prayer, that nothing uh, harms their prayer, nothing harms uh, yani their salah. Uh, and mentions that even though there may be some, يعني, uh, something uh, dislike that takes place when that occurs, such as the uh, those in prayer uh, looking away, يعني, uh, and, and, and being distracted. 
Yani this is like a mafsada and something which is kind of like uh, something which comes and corrupts. Yani, when it comes to the word itself, mafsada means something which corrupts. Um, not that it corrupts the prayer, but yeah, it's something which is uh, which is it, yeah, it is it is not the ideal situation uh, that they look away. However, it's something khafifa, something light, something light. Um, but the masluha and the, the overall benefit is that Abdullah ibn Abbas, even though he's walking through the the, the rows, then the masluha is and the benefit is that he is then able to join. The prayer. Now. So this was narrated from Abdullah ibn Abbas, and we saw the narration of Bukhari himself is bringing, on, bringing this narration from those who narrated to him, and those who uh, narrated uh, before, before Al Bukhari from Abdullah ibn Abbas. We see that the narrations of Abdullah ibn Abbas were narrated, preserved, even though he was uh, below puberty. Now, likewise, what we take from it is again the permissibility and the correct nature of taking from the one who is young. Uh, and how we, uh, uh, يعني, we accept that which he uh, يعني, transmits from the texts and in the establishment of the rulings. And likewise, what is taken from the hadith is the permissibility of prayer يعني, towards or, or, or prayer without a sutra. This hadith shows us the permissibility of prayer without a sutra. And it's a good point that the Sheikh mentions here because it is a difference of opinion. The Sheikh mentions that from here we, يعني, we know that there is a difference of opinion uh, amongst the people of knowledge concerning this matter. The matter of taking a sutra. And يعني, the Sheikh is saying that the summary of it is هل اتخاذ السطرة واجبة على كل مصلين أم أنها سنة فقط عند الإمكان من اتخذها. And the summary of that difference of opinion is the question: Is the taking of a sutra something which is obligatory for everyone who prays, or is it only a sunnah? Yani when you have the, the ability, and it's, and it's possible for you to take a sutra. What's sahih and that which is correct according to the Sheikh? Is an ittihad al musalli sutratan min al sunan la min al wajibat. That it is a sunnah. It is from the sunan, from the sunnah acts of worship, and it is not from the wajibat. Well, adilla ala annaha laysat wajiba sariha fi dalik. And the evidences showing that it is not obligatory are sariha. Yani they're outright clear. Kahad al hadith. Such as this hadith. Because in this hadith we see that the Rasulullah was praying, leading the people in prayer, uh, meaning sutra. That he was praying without a sutra. And so if this is established, which it is, Sahih Bukhari, we're reading from. That there's no harm, no sin upon the one who prays, prays that he prays to, uh, that he prays without the sutra. وَهَذَا الَّذِي تَرَجَّحْ فِي هَذَا الْمُوضُوعَ كَمَا سَبَقَ ذَلِكَ قَرِيبًا And this is what is the stronger position uh, in, this, uh, in this matter, the Sheikh, he says. Although the Sheikh did uh, mention, did indicate, Clearly, that there is a difference of opinion. There's a, is a, there's a matter of, uh, it's a matter of khilaf. And to be honest with you, it's a strong uh, difference because even though we've heard this hadith here, it might <laughs> seem to be outright clear, clear evidence to show that it's permissible to pray without the sutra. 
those who say that you that the sutra is wajib, they also have evidences. They also have evidences. And they explain this hadith away, and they say the fact that Abdullah, Abdullah ibn Abbas said that he prayed without a sutra, or jidar, they say we go back to the origin of the word. He prayed without a, without a wall being there in front, because Mina, as we know, is an open area. It's an open area. It's just like open land. And yeah, any, uh, the, 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 those who say that this hadith cannot be used to take the obligation of the sutra away, because as we mentioned, there are ahadith, where the Rasulullah he said, that when one of you prays, then let him take a sutra and let him draw near to it. Naam, and so on. Many other ahadith. They say, in response to this hadith here that we have heard today, that the negation of a wall that the Prophet prayed towards, prayed with, uh, and there was no wall before him, is a negation of a wall, but it isn't a negation of anything else. He could have had a saddle in front of him. Now, uh, so this is how they respond to this. But then at the same time, they say, well, the reason why Abdullah ibn Abbas is mentioning this is to point out that he, he didn't have a sutra. He didn't have a sutra. That he didn't uh, have anything before him uh, where he was praying towards. Um, the majority, to be honest, the majority of the scholars hold that it is not wajib. The four imams. All of, all of, the, all of the four imams say that it is sunnah mu'akkada. That it is a sunnah. It is, it is something which is sunnah and it is, it is not wajib. And many of the, of the present day scholars, from them, Sheikh Abdul Aziz ibn Baz, likewise Sheikh ibn Taymiyyah, rahimahullah, from them, Sheikh Salih Fawzan, many of the scholars, they hold that it is, it, is, it is sunnah when they look at the evidences together. Because it is not possible that something is sun, it is something is wajib, that we read some narrations from the Rasulullah which indicate that it is wajib, but then at the same time, he would pray without the sutra. How is it possible that the Rasulullah will say it's something is wajib, but then not do it himself? So what they say, and they have a principle in fiqh, what they say here in this situation, what it means, and those narrations that may give the meaning, or bring across the meaning that it is obligatory, the fact that there are narrations to show that the Rasulullah didn't do that which these narrations indicate, shows that it is something which is a sunnah mu'akkada, a stress sunnah, something stressed. It's, it's highly stressed to do it. However, it is not obligatory due to these other evidences. So this is the, the reason why we have uh, this difference of opinion in this matter. However, a very important point to mention is that there are those who may come across one of these positions. So, and we've seen this even from those who attribute themselves to knowledge, those who attribute themselves to the way of the Salaf, and they say, I'm Salafi, follow the way of the Salaf, I follow the Imams, and so on. And they may read one position, so they read the position that it is wajib. They come across this position. They come across the scholars who hold this position, such as Imam Ibn Khuzayma from previous, from the old times, Ibn Khuzayma, Imam al-Shawkani, Sheikh al-Albani, Rahimahumullah, they hold it's wajib. So, the uh, student of knowledge may come across their statements come across the evidences they use, and then he, he thinks that this is the only position. And he behaves in a such a way that when he sees someone else not taking a sutra, that he gets into debate, he, 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 maybe he shows يعني, a rejection in a way which يعني, it, is not, it is not befitting. He behaves in a way that you would understand from him that this is the only position that exists, and that it's an innovation or it's, it's an extremely weak position for you not to pray, to, uh, for, for you to pray without a sutra. However, the point we're trying to make is there are great scholars, and those who we as Salafis hold to be great Imams, the four Imams, all of them. Likewise, the Imams, even if we put aside the four Imams, we may say, okay, they were, they were Imams of old. We're talking about even present day scholars, scholars that we love and we, uh, we, we, we uh, respect and love in a great way. The present-day scholars, we mentioned Sheikh Abdul Aziz ibn Abbas, Sheikh 
Muhammad bin Salih al-Uthameen, Sheikh Salih al-Fawz, and other than them, many of them, they say that, that, that it is sunnah, based on what we've mentioned. So, it is not befitting for a Salafi that he, he says about those who take this latter position here, this position of Sheikh Zayd, and those scholars we mentioned, and that he shows rejection and he, he, he responds in a way uh, where he belittles them. Because it is as though he's saying that these scholars, they're acting upon, yani, without knowledge. They're acting without knowledge. But rather what we see is there are evidences. We don't have this bad suspicion of, of the scholars that they're, they're just following their desires or they're following something weak. But rather we see they've made ijtihad and the more a person looks into the, these not just this matter, but those matters where there are differences of opinion, you begin to see that يعني, it is not a straightforward issue. And one time you may read the evidence and you think, yes, you know what? It's, it's clear that it's wajib to have a sutra. But then you look a bit more and then you begin to, to swerve towards the other position because you read their evidences, their responses to the evidences used by the scholars who hold the other position. And it's very easy for you to, to, to see that, hold on, it's not a straightforward issue and it's possible that you change your positions, which happens also with the scholars. Many of them, they change their positions throughout their life. They, they, they look de, de, uh, yani, uh, into, into matters with, uh, yani, uh, with, in more detail and they, they change their positions. And so again, um, this is something which uh, the student of knowledge, he uh, bears in mind when it comes to these differences of opinion. Now, Salaam. Uh, incorrect when some when some when someone passes before the one who is praying the Rasulullah mentioned in the hadith three matters he said the uh, the donkey he said the black dog and the woman when a woman passes before you other than that anything that passes uh, before you it doesn't break the prayer the prayer is correct and the Rasulullah, likewise, he said many ahadith, when you gather them together, he said that um, one of you should prevent the one who attempts to pass before you. He should, he should prevent him and he should fight him off. And if he persists, yeah, and he, should, he, should, he should continue and fight him because he's a shaitan. Because he's a shaitan. If he persists now, if he realizes, because it can happen where someone is walking by and he doesn't realize, and he, sees, yeah, and he doesn't realize that you're praying, and he walks by you, but you stop him. At that point now, if he's, he, he's realized that you're praying. But even now, he, if he continues, then it shows that he's belittling this affair of you being in prayer before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so, fight him. This is what the Rasulullah said. So, yani the, this, what you mentioned, there's no contradiction between what the, the, those scholars who hold this position of it being a sunnah mu'akkada. They're saying that you can, you can, Apply all of these narrations at the same time. It is sunnah. Yes, take it. Sunnah. Recommend it. Highly recommend it. If this happens, if someone comes to walk in front of you, 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 you prevent them. If for some reason you can't prevent them, because sometimes it, it may happen where someone, walks, someone goes past you and you, you didn't even see them coming and they've walked past you. If it's none of the three, then your prayer is correct. Because the Rasulullah said that the prayer is... The, uh, there's, th there's three things that break off the prayer. So anything other than these two things, the prayer is okay. So if a child goes by, if a man goes by, because the hadith mentions a woman, meaning uh, when you gather the narrations together, al, uh, the hadith of Abdullah ibn Abbas, he said, uh, the menstruating woman, meaning the woman who has reached puberty. So if it's a young girl, for example, your daughter runs past you, she's still a child, your prayer is correct. If a man walks by, again, you weren't able to stop him. You should, the, the origin is you try to stop him. But if you didn't see him come in, he walks past you, your prayer is still correct. Right? Um, however, because of the hadith of this hadith today that we've seen, the fact that we see that the Rasulullah prayed without 
uh, sutra, they say that this shows that it is not obligatory to do so. However, without a doubt, it wasn't the intention to go into the matter of the sutra, but it, obviously the Sheikh he brought, he brought this matter, and the hadith itself anyway. Wallah um, Alam, what seems to be the stronger position is the position that it is obligatory. At the very least, at the very least, and a person should strive, strive to, to, um, to, to have a sutra, take a sutra. Nah. And by way of that, he'll also be acting upon the principle, which is to go along with the ahwab, the most cautious, the most cautious, and that which yeah, there's safety in. There's safety in going with that position. It's the most cautious position. Now, Wallahu alam. However, again, even though I said that, I might change my position next week. <laughs> it's one of those. If you go, if you look into it, you'll see. Yeah, it's not. Sometimes it's not as straightforward. Now, al Mithal al the Sheikh, he continues and he says that the second example is uh, the story of Mahmoud ibn Rabi' when he said that I remembered from the Prophet Sallam that he uh, took some water from a bucket, put it in his mouth, and then he. He spat it into my face. And I was khamsinin, five years old. He remembered, even though he's five years old. Well, hmm? majjah, the Sheikh, he mentions, The meaning of majjah, which is coming in the hadith, is to take water, is, is to spit out water from the mouth um, so as to spit it onto someone's face. That's the meaning of majjah here. And this occurred, yani from the Rasulullah yani as um, yani the Rasulullah he was playing with him, he was, he was playing with him because he was a young child, just yani playing around with him. But even though he was a child at the time, he didn't forget. And he was five years old. And so he narrated it. Um, and he, he, he told that story of that which occurred between him and the Rasulullah and he narrated it. وَحُمِلَتْ عَنْهُمْ وَهِيَ الدَّلِيلِ عَلَى أَنَّهُمْ إِذَا تَحَمَّلَ الصَّغِيرِ حَدِيثًا وَنَحْوَهُ ثُمَّ قَصَّهُ وَرَوَاهُ فَإِنَّهُ يُقْبَلْ وَيُؤْخَذْ مِنْهُ وَيُعْمَلْ بِرِوَايَتِهِ وَاللَّهُ أَعْلَمْ وَكَفَى Now, so the Sheikh, he mentions that um, this is a proof uh, that we take from the young one, if he narrates a hadith, other than a hadith, he narrates something, he, he, he transmits something, it is accepted and taken from him, acted upon it, and yani, we uh, receive his, uh, his, his narr uh, narrations. Wallahu a'lam wa kafa. Shaykh mentions that Allah knows best and uh, is sufficient. Now, uh, the Sheikh then went on to answer some questions. Um, inshallah, just like last time, what we'll do is after the, the Salah itself, we'll just sit together, inshallah, and uh, give opportunities to some of the brothers to, to, to read. Those who have the Arabic, they can read. Uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll look at the uh, questions and the answers after the Salah, inshallah. Uh, the Sheikh then goes on to the next, explain the next chapter. Now. About this uh, t subject, uh, basically, if, um, you did mention that... Uh, yeah. If, if there's a difference of opinion, uh -huh. you can't basically uh, say about someone uh, what you're doing is wrong, for example. Yes, yes, yes. But if you hear a position from a scholar, uh -huh. if you, you just know that position and you yeah. see someone something, mm -hmm. someone doing the opposite, yes. is that enough for you to uh, forbid that? or? Uh, again, this is why we're, we're uh, studying this effect of end. That person, the more he, he learns, he realizes that, and especially when it comes to the issues of fiqh, when it comes to the issue of fiqh, the person realizes that th there's, a, there's an ocean out there, an ocean of knowledge, evidences and so on. And before he speaks, that he has knowledge. And this is, comes back to also uh, the, the matter of commanding the good and forbidding the evil. From the conditions of commanding the good and forbidding the evil, he's knowing that it's an evil. If you're going to tell someone, look, brother, you shouldn't be doing this, or this is the correct position, you need to have, a, you need to have knowledge in this matter. There's no problem with you conveying and saying, this is what I learned from so-and-so, so-and-so, but you shouldn't assume that this is the only position, especially, like we said, in, in the matters of fiqh. 
Sheikh he mentioned some lines of poetry wherein there was someone who wanted to study the matters of fiqh. Um, and then he, when he embarked upon his journey, he, 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 he realized how much of a mammoth of a task it was. In the sense that he, he bought some poetry where there was someone who wanted to hunt gazelles. And then the day he came to hunt gazelles, he was dumbfounded because he didn't know which one to hunt. Because now he, 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 there, was, there, was new, there were numerous gazelles in front of him. He didn't know which one to, to, to hunt. And this is, what hap this is what happens when it comes to studying fiqh. When you, when you, especially when you go to the differences of opinion. You be, there, are, there are issues without a doubt. There are, there are matters in fiqh where there's ijma, consensus. Yes, there are issues where the scholars didn't differ, consensus. But then there are issues, many issues, where they, where they differed. And so uh, a person, when he begins to study these matters, he realizes. Before he studied, he, maybe he, th he thought that, okay, this issue, this is clear, this is the only position, this, you know, there's no other position. But then once he, 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 he studies, he realizes, hold on, there's not just another position, there's five other positions, six other positions. And they all have evidences. And they all have, some evidences, maybe, some positions may be weak, outright weak. Yes. But then some positions, all of them are strong, or a number of them are strong. Now, uh, and so to, to answer that question, yes, uh, as likewise Sheikh Samim Temi, he mentioned that it is, not, it is not possible for a person to force someone else to, have, to hold his position. Not possible. It's not possible. That's something from Allah. Allah is the one who puts into the hearts. Yani the, the, that which uh, seems to be strong to an individual. You're not able to convince another person. Meaning you can display to them, you can say to them, okay, look, these are, there's a difference of opinion in, the, in, these, in this matter here. These are the evidences. And to you, one particular position might be outright clear. Clear as the sun in the sky. It's clear to me. And the other position is weak. That's how it seems to you. But then someone else reads that, he doesn't see what you see. He sees the other evidences to be stronger. So Shabbat Zemin Temi says, in this situation, you're not able to put that in his heart. That comes from Allah. So we're not able to force people to, to, to hold up uh, the positions that we hold. And yeah, and if we were to do that, then we fall into that which we rebuke and censor the muqallideen for. Those blind followers who, who, who uh, force their, their followers to follow one imam. They say, you must follow this one position. You must follow this one imam in everything. We would be no different from them. If we were to say, you must hold this position. This is the position that you must, you must hold it. Although, no, you're not saying that. Yani, what you're saying is that if you learn something, is it okay for you to tell another individual? Yes, it's okay. But without yani, uh, forcing that individual and bearing in mind that based on the knowledge that you have, you should be aware that there could be other positions. Most likely there will be. Most likely there will be. Now, so just keep in mind that yani, um, there could be other positions. And so that, that's why it's best to always say in this situation, we're going to see also in this next chapter, it's always best to say, Allahu A'lam, Allah knows best. Humble yourself and say, Allah knows best. This is what I read. This is what seems to be strong. But Allah knows best. Allah knows best. Now, and that, that, just even that, itself, that, that expression there is sufficient in allowing the listener to... to, to to understand from you that you're not saying it in a way yeah, I need that, that, you're, that you're showing that this is the only position. Now, the next chapter, Ikhwan, Bab al Khuruj fi Talib al Ilm. The chapter concerning uh, going out to study uh, knowledge and to acquire knowledge, yeah, I need journey in order to acquire knowledge. And then Al-Bukhari, he mentions وَرَحَلَ جَابِرِ بِنْ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ جَابِرِ بِنْ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ مَسِيرَةِ شَحْرِ إِلَىٰ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ بِنْ عُنَيْسِ فِي حَدِيثٍ وَاحِدٍ And he mentions the, the fact that Jabir ibn Abdullah he traveled the distance of a month to Abdullah ibn Unais in Sham in order to just take from him one single hadith. And we mentioned that before in a previous lesson and the Sheikh is going to mention uh, in his explanation. The hadith after is the lengthy hadith we took just uh, maybe two lessons ago. 
in the previous lesson actually, the uh, narration concerning Abdullah ibn Abbas when he was uh, yeah, and he, uh, debating with Al-Hurr ibn Qais concerning the Sahib of Musa, Al-Khadir. The same, exact same narration. Lengthy narration, so yeah, maybe there's no need to mention, read out the, the hadith due to time. However, yeah, it's almost like it's only two chapters later, three chapters later, Al-Bukhari has brought the same hadith again. But a point to mention here is that uh, Al-Bukhari intended this book not to, not to be solely a book of hadith, just a compilation of a hadith, but it's also a book of fiqh. It is also a book of fiqh where he's actually extracting rulings. Because you could argue, and we mentioned before, that Al-Bukhari had a hadith which was authentic with him, but he didn't record in, in, in this comp compilation here. Meaning, Al-Bukhari, Muslim likewise, it doesn't mean that these, these are the only authentic ahadith to them. Al-Bukhari, he memorized 100,000 authentic ahadith. The, re the reason why he uh, yani, uh, only narrated the amount he narrated in his Sahih is because he wanted to make it concise and likewise he wanted to make it a book of fiqh. Uh, and so you could say, okay, why did he narrate the same hadith twice? Or even three times, it's going to come again. He could have... He just recorded it one time and then brought some of those other hadiths which were authentic with him that he didn't even narrate, he didn't even record. Reason why, again, is because he's extracting fiqh. He's brought it again because he's extracting a different ruling. And also another, another thing Bukhari does is it's rare that he brings a hadith, the same hadith, with the same chain. He brings it with a different chain. He brings it with a different chain to show how it's, how it's recorded by many ways, multiple ways. To show that there were, there were many people who narrated this hadith. And so again, all of these uh, chains together strengthen the hadith. To show that this book is a book of, of authentic hadith. And so go back to page 92, those who have the Arabic. You see on page 92 that when he brings the hadith, if you look at the chain. So this same hadith but with this chain. He says, حدثني Muhammad ibn Ghurayr al-Zuhri قال حدثني Ya'qub ibn Ibrahim قال حدثني Abi حدثني Abi and Salih and Ibn Shihab Haddatha Anna Ubaidullah Ubaidullah Ibn Abdullah Akhbarahu An Ibn Abbas So with this chain to, chain to Abdullah Ibn Abbas But then in this hadith, the hadith of, of the topic where uh, before now He says Haddathana Abu Al-Qasim Khalid So we see here the Shaykh narrating to Al-Bukhari is Abu Al-Qasim Khalid but go back to the previous chain, it was who? Muhammad ibn Ghurayr. So he heard it from two different sheikhs. And then some of those, the, 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 the narrators they narrate from are different. They meet, both change, chains, they come together at one particular narrator. Who's that narrator? Hmm? Abdullah. Ubaid ibn Abdullah, are you sure? Uh, no, Zuhri, Imam Zuhri. Imam Zuhri. Imam Zuhri. Because look, in the first chain, from Saleh, from Ibn Shihab. Who narrated from? Ubaidillah. Ibn Shihab. And then in this chain, in this chain, he says, from uh, Al Awza'i, who said that Al Zuhri narrated from us. Ibn Shihab in the previous chain and the Zuhri here, they're both the same individual. It's the same individual, even though different. In the first chain, he was, he was, he was referred to as Ibn Shihab. In the second chain, just his nisbah was mentioned as Zuhri. Because Ibn Shihab is Ibn Shihab is Zuhri. And so this, goes, this shows also the importance for the scholars of hadith, scholars of knowing the men, knowing their names. Because a person who doesn't who's a novice and doesn't know about hadith, he may read these change, chains and think these are two different individuals, but they're not, it's the same individual. Now, so the same hadith, Sheikh Zaid, he says, after the hamdullah and, 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 and uh, 
he says that the saying of Al-Bukhari in his chapter heading Al-Khuruj Fi Talib Al-Ilm going out to seek knowledge he says that it is of two types going out to seek knowledge is of two types Khuruj which is wajib going out which is obligatory and Khuruj which is mustahab going out which is recommended as for the Khuruj which is wajib فَهُوَ مَا كَانَ لِطَلِبِ الْعِلْمِ الْمَفْرُوبِ عَلَى كُلِّ مُكَلَّفِ That is that knowledge which is obligatory upon every servant, every يعني, uh, responsible uh, uh, servant, meaning one who's reached the age of puberty. فِيمَا يَتَعَلَّقْ بِأُسُولِ الدِّينِ وَأَحْكَامِ الشَّعَائِرِ التَّعْبُدِيَّةِ الَّتِي كَلَّفَ اللَّهُ بِهَا عَالَمَ الْإِنْسِ وَالْجِنِّ and in those matters, knowledge, those obligatory matters, which are connected to the foundations of the religion, and the ahkam al-shi'ayr al-ta'budiyya, those rulings connected to the outward manifest uh, actions of worship, like the salah and the fasting and so on, the zakat and, and so on, um, that which Allah has obligated upon the world of men and jinn. وَذَلِكَ إِذَا لَمْ يَجِدْ الْمُكَلَّفِ مَنْ يُعَلِّمْهُ مَنْ يُعَلِّمْهُ فِي مُجْتَمِعِهِ أَمْرَ دِينِ وَعِنْدَهُ الْقُدْرَةَ عَلَى الرِّحْلَةِ وَجِبَ عَلَيْهِ أَنْ يَخْرُجَ فِي طَلَبِ الْعِلْمِ الْمَفْرُودَ عَلَيْهِ Now, the Shaykh mentions, this is when the servant, when he doesn't have someone within his community, someone who is able to teach him the affairs of his religion, Whilst he has the ability to travel, then it is obligatory upon him that he goes out and he travels in order to seek that, ob that obligatory knowledge. That which the Rasulullah said concerning, concerning this situation, this, this Muslim, in this situation, طلب العلم فريضة على كل مسلم Seeking knowledge is obligatory upon every Muslim. وحكم المسلمة كحكم المسلم and the, the ruling of the Muslim woman, female Muslim, is the ruling of the Muslim man. The same ruling, obligatory. Obligatory for them to learn the knowledge which is obligatory. As for the woman traveling, as for the woman traveling in order to acquire that knowledge, then that is only if the conditions of her traveling are met. She has a mahram and so on. The second category of going out to seek knowledge is mustahab. So the first is that going out, which is obligatory. Second here now is that going out on a journey to acquire that knowledge, which is mustahab, recommended. And it is that khuruj lizdiyad min al-ilm wa tawassu'ufi. And that is that khuruj and that going out, which is in order for a person to increase any above the obligatory knowledge that he already has acquired. He goes out to acquire an increase and, and for him to expand his knowledge, to for him to expand his knowledge. إِلَى مَنْ تَعْتَقِدْ أَيُّهَا الْمُسْلِمْ أَنَّ عِنْدَهُ عِلْمًا يُفِيدُكَ مِنْهُ When the Muslim, he goes out, when you are Muslim, you go out to one who you believe him to be, one who has knowledge with him, knowledge with which he, benefit, he can benefit you. And this khuruj fihi ajr azim. It's going out for this knowledge has a tremendous reward. Because it is a type of jihad. It's a type of jihad from the various types of jihad. Jihad in the way of Allah. وافراً من العلم الشرعي قضى حاجات الناس التي لا يحلها إلا العلماء من الفتوى الشرعية الصحيحة ومن قسمة المواريث ومن إقامة الشعائر للناس كخطب الجمعة والأعياد والاستسقاء وغير ذلك وغير ذلك مما لا يستطيع أن يقوم به إلا من إلا من توسع في فنون العلم الشرعي. We finish with this. The Sheikh mentions. Um, 
The reason why it, it, it has a tremendous reward and the reason why it is a type of jihad from the various types of jihad in the way of Allah is uh, because one who expands his knowledge and the one who takes that great portion of knowledge from the Islamic knowledge that he by way of that he fulfills qada hajatin nas he is able to fulfill the needs of the people those needs which no one can solve the problems which no one can solve except for al-ulama those who have knowledge from the uh, fatawa from those rulings that are given those islamic rulings those correct islamic rulings likewise kismet al-mawarith likewise he's able to help the people when it comes to them having a death in the family when the people that now are in need of asking about the various portions of inheritance so he's able to help them in, in uh, dividing the inheritance and likewise he is able to establish the sha'air those outward, outward manifest signs of worship as we mentioned such as the khutb and he's able now to address the people in the khutbas. He's able to give the khutbah, the khutbah of al-Jum'ah. Khutbah of Jum'ah, and likewise the, uh, the khutbah of al-A'yad, the khutbahs of Eid. And likewise al-Istisqa. Al-Istisqa, istisqa. we don't really see it here. Many of us probably go our whole lives and we don't, ex we don't uh, experience Salat al-Istisqa. Salat al-Istisqa is when you pray for the rain. Here we have rain, alhamdulillah, in, in, in abundance. So... And yani, we find that uh, usually in the Muslim lands, it even comes from the command of the, the, the Amir or the, the, the king. He will say, or the, the, the ruler, he will say to the people, he'll ask them in the masajid to, to, ask, to ask Allah for, for rain. Yani, in those lands where there's a shortage in, in, in rainfall. Um, but Salatul Istisqa is very similar to Eid. Salatul Eid. Two units of salah are prayed, and then a khutbah after. The Imam stands and give a khutbah, something clearly established from the Rasulullah. Uh, very similar, also, it has the extra takbirs. It has the extra takbirs, just like Salat al Eid. But again, something which we may, if we live, we find ourselves living our whole lives here, we may never experience this. But the Shaykh, the point he's trying to mention is that the one who acquires this knowledge, he's able now to fulfill the needs of these people and establish these. Sha'air, uh, these outward manifest signs of Islam when it comes to the actions of worship. He's able to give the khutbah, the various khutbah, because Jum'ah has a khutbah, the Eid has a khutbah, Salat al Istisqa has a khutbah, and so on. And other than this, the Shaykh mentions, uh, And other than that, uh, which yani, require, require uh, a person expanding in that knowledge, acquiring knowledge uh, of various uh, sciences of the Islamic uh, sciences.